You're listening to Highlands Business, a weekly business podcast where we gain insight from business leaders, a place to be understood, inspired, and get real sharing of triumphs and lessons learned. I'm Ken Wooten, a pastor and a businessman, and I'll be your host. My motto in life is if you're not the best, how do you become the best? And if you are the best, how do you get better? Enjoy this next episode, and if you find this content helpful, don't forget to share and subscribe. So welcome everyone tonight. Glad you're all connecting. I'm going to hand over to Isaac now and uh, have a chat with James. So fantastic. Enjoy. Look, to it. Look forward to it and enjoy. Yeah, thanks, Ken. And thanks to, for, to Highlands Church for hosting this. And uh, This is over to everybody. Uh, and uh, this came about, I think, a week or two, didn't it, into the crisis, Ken, where we um, uh, I had a phone call with you and uh, my business has been in crisis. And um uh, thought, well, how about we connect together with other business people? And it's interesting as we've journeyed over the last couple of months, I'm doing this every week, um, um, there's still businesses in crisis. Mine isn't getting income any back time any soon. Um, but I've, what I've noticed is a growing optimism and Australia's doing pretty well. I connect a lot internationally with different business leaders. and I think we can be very thankful for where we are in Australia. And it's, it's really great to have um, James here tonight because James is a serious entrepreneur. I can't wait to interview James because I think for a lot of us, as we've we had the shock of the, the crisis, we've had to readjust our business, um, but many business people are now looking for opportunities. And I know tonight we've got people who've got big businesses here, small businesses, people are aspirational wanting to get into business. And uh, it's, it's not a road for the faint-hearted, as um, you're going to hear tonight. But um, um, we're, we're really um, just fortunate, I think, to have a true entrepreneur, somebody who can get out and create something from nothing somebody who can back themselves and get through. And um, there's so much opportunity in the world right now for all of us. And, and um, my passion is to see business, not just for business sake, but also with a mission, um, like a reason to exist and a reason to be and to help others. And, and that very much brings into what James um, has done. So just a quick little thing is I knew James many years ago when I was running a music festival called Easterfest. And uh, James um, uh, was one of the founding guys of something called JC Epidemic. So he did the stunt motorbike stuff. And like, the first time I met James, I think he had a broken arm or a broken collarbone or something like that. And uh, <laughs> I think the last time I saw you had something broken as well, mate. So it's good to see you in one piece tonight. <laughs> but um, amazing journey where you went from that, which is seriously on the edge. That's entrepreneurial in itself and was a tough road. And then you picked an industry that is difficult to get involved in. Like if you're going to like pick, easy industries to crack into the fashion industry would have to be like the bottom of your list i'm thinking i don't know much about fashion clearly but you know i'm just from a pure business optics perspective i just couldn't think of a harder thing to hard enough to crack and so james tell us some of your story how you got into this thing and uh and then and then we'll ask some more questions as we go through yeah well thanks uh isaac um and ken and everybody for uh, joining tonight and having listened this is a this is a great opportunity for me to be able to share a little bit about my journey um it all actually started at the movies um watching the liam neeson film taken with my wife and some friends and the the movie for those who haven't seen it is um liam neeson is the it's a fictional film um he's the hero his daughter and her friend travel through europe and are abducted and sold for sex um and it's quite a compelling film, um, but at the end it had some text that said that these events still occur around the world. And I 
just showed my ignorance. I had no idea that this was a real problem that still existed today. And I just remember feeling outraged and so angry. And I left wanting to start some sort of vigilante and go and eradicate these bad people from the face of the planet. And my wife was very quick to remind me that I didn't have the combat skills that Liam Neeson um, had. And we needed to look for a different model. And so we went on this journey of a, a couple of years of researching and starting to understand the problem. And it was actually at Easter First Isaac that um, I came into contact with a rescue agency that specialized in the identification and rescue of young girls that were trafficked and sold for sex. And they asked if I wanted to come and see what it looked like on the ground. And I was very eager to understand and learn more. And so I went on a trip with them and we traveled into Southeast Asia. And it was on that trip that I saw a young girl for sale. And to be honest, it's a, it was a, it was a life altering moment for me. I can still picture the fear and intimidation in her eyes. And I just knew instantly that I wanted to be a part of the solution. Um, right then we didn't really know what we were getting into, um, but it seemed like an obvious choice to create a product um, to give employment. Employment was the thing that was missing. Um, they could get rescued, they could be given um, opportunity to better life, but without employment um, often, and I was told 80% even, uh, would find themselves in a worse position after having been rescued as a result of no employment. So it was clear as to what we wanted to do. And it was actually on that trip um, as I got into Cambodia um, and met um, uh, with some of these young ladies that I knew that I was going to do something. And I took a plunge and um, offered jobs to a couple of them instantly. And we continued on this journey. And that was now um, 10 years ago. Um, we're a fashion brand for those that, that are just joining and um, we produce jeans. And so our focus is to be able to have a business model that creates impact on a social, environmental and economic level um, as a byproduct of a gene. And so that our consumers can know that they are a part of changing the world in a really profound and drastic way just by purchasing the products that they'd purchase every day. It's awesome, mate. So that's a bit of the founding of it. Now I'm going to ask some questions um, back on that, but I want to go to the other end now. And for people like me who don't follow fashion <laughs> um, and, and have no understanding of, of Outlander Denim and what's happened, um, just, just fast forward today and tell us, uh, I was having a chat with you this afternoon and just some of the amazing things. You know, you have Meghan Markle um, started wearing your jeans and then that, that famous actor, what's his name, DiCaprio, but then some of the big um, um, US shops like Nostrum in New York have started stocking your, your products. So tell us a little bit about that. You've got 100 employees now in Cambodia making, making your, your products and you've got 16 staff here in Mount Tambourine and it's going global. So just paint that picture a little bit more for us. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, it's a really exciting space to be in. And like you said earlier, it's, a, it's also a really competitive industry to be in. If you're going to go into fashion, definitely don't choose denim. It's the most competitive of fashion. And so I was, again, really naive going into this. Um, you know, I didn't know that this was going to be so hard and so competitive. And I didn't know that denim was such a difficult fabric to work with. And so if you're working with these kinds of people, why would you choose that? Um, but, you know, I didn't want to have a T-shirt brand. I wanted to have a jeans brand. My dream was actually always to be a, a cowboy. And so this is as close as I've been able to get to that is by making jeans. But, um, you know, we, we find ourselves now um, 
you know, like you've said, with the likes of Meghan Markle, Leonardo DiCaprio and other amazing celebrities that have organically come across our brand and worn it. It's not something that we've ceded to them. We haven't used our um, PR teams to um, put the product in front of them. It's something that they've come across the story. They've then looked at our product and um, and I know have done due diligence on us as a, as a company and then have gone out there and publicly worn the product. And, you know, the, the Meghan Markle story was quite incredible. We'd only just launched in the top two department stores in Canada and just signed with David Jones here in Australia. And I had actually just landed in Cambodia um, the night before and to wake up to my phone was just full of messages from Instagram and text and people trying to get a hold of me. And I wondered what was going on. And as I, as I started to read some of this stuff, I discovered that um, the media were talking about this unknown Australian brand that Megan Markle had just hopped off a, an airplane in Dubbo wearing, and it was called Outland Denim. And so it was really, I guess, a moment that every brand would dream of to have somebody as powerful as that wear their product. Um, but what it did was it, it blew us up. It went global um, overnight. There was media and the top tier media. We had Vogue and, you know, you know uh, London Financial Times and, you know, Wall Street Journal and, you know, the, the greatest publications writing about this incredible story. And what we saw was the Meghan Markle name as a headline um, but then to go on for this entire article just to talk about this brand and the impact of the brand. But I think what's so incredible about that particular story is that a result, the result of her wearing our product was that we were able to employ 46 new seamstresses. And that was a direct result of the exposure she gave us. Now, part of that was forecasting for what was to come, believing what was going to be happening as a result of this exposure um, and preparing for it. And the other side of it was we just had orders coming in instantly. And it was just a really incredible experience that, you know, maybe we'll never even experience something as crazy as that again, but it really put us on the map. And, and, you know, I was then in New York and I was, um, uh, we're meeting with the fashion editor of Esquire magazine and, um, I walked in and he said, you know, I didn't even know who your brand was, but we were doing this photo shoot for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. And we wanted to do this denim shoot. And um, Leo said, well, if we're shooting in denim, um, it's got to be Outland denim. So he said, we hurried around to find out who this Outland denim was. And I remember the messages coming through on Instagram from their stylist wanting to get product. And, you know, it was just, just incredible to see how, these things happen but I, I guess it all points back to one thing is that media and these celebrities and anybody of influence actually just want to be a part of something that's creating change and because this is now proven to do that um, it's getting its own momentum. I do want to deep dive back into some of the story I mean, it's, it's amazing where you're at now and then uh, but just before we deep dive back into some of those uh, the things that uh, um, got you to where you are is uh, I'd love to um, just hear a little bit about a couple of weeks ago, you launched in the middle of coronavirus, corona crisis, whatever you want to call it. You launched a crowdfunding campaign and raised $1.3 million. This is just a couple of weeks ago for yeah. your, your business. Tell us a little bit about that. It's extraordinary. Yeah, well, we've been planning actually um, to do a capital raise. And so to date, we've done private equity raises and we've got private investors and we've got quite a number of um, sophisticated investors involved in what we do. And they're amazing and, and really needed for the, the phase of the business we're at. But we, we call ourselves the people's brand. And the reason for that is we want to benefit as many people from beginning to end. And 12 months ago, 
uh, the government passed legislation here in Australia that meant that we could do equity crowdfunding, which meant that we could have retail investors um, buy in. So you could buy in between, well, as little as you like and a maximum of $10,000 um, to any company and actually be buying shares. So very much like a company going and doing an IPO. Um, and it meant that um, we could offer not just the opportunity to be a part of the change, but also um, on a social or environmental level, but also the opportunity to be able to grow your wealth. Um, so we are, we are still a young company that's growing rapidly and um, most people don't get the opportunity to be a part of a brand that's growing like this because it's just out of their price range. We're not looking to raise $5,000 or $10,000. We're looking to raise a million dollars or more. And so what it meant is we got a thousand investors, but right before we launched, I remember we were in, um, in Melbourne for fashion week and, um, the actually the event that um, we we're at were, was um, held up and they came in and said that, that the federal government just made this announcement for these mass gatherings that they have to be cancelled immediately and we were literally about to launch and um, you know all of a sudden you, you get all fearful and like my gosh what's going to happen now um, but we decided that we we're going to put it a, a test a theory that I'd had for quite some time and that was a theory that we had an element of being recession proof based on the fact that even in the toughest times people still spend but i believed that they didn't just spend on anything they spent on things that had real meaning purpose or need and i believed that we fitted into all three of those categories that we had a real purpose you know and there was a real purpose to somebody buying it and in fact they could justify spending the money on something nice that they might have even needed or just wanted. We also had this hope in a, a greater future. And so I, I felt, well, let's see what the public say. And that was scary. So we decided to proceed with it. We had, um, you know, incredible results. In fact, we broke, we broke the record on the platform, which is Australia's best performing um, platform for this to hit our minimum um, raise that ever seen. So they, they couldn't believe what was going on. We really couldn't either. Um, and it was just in, amazing to see that the public really rallied around our brand um, in a time like this when really, uh, you know, statistically speaking from what we're seeing, we shouldn't have raised anything. And can I just say to those who have joined, I mean, um, what James is doing, like, let me tell you, I've, I've had a lot of exposure over the last couple of decades with um, successful business people. His business is just on the cusp of, pretty amazing things and um we're so honored to have you here mate tonight sharing your insight and wisdom and some of your story with us i want to deep dive into the reality of business because there's there's a lot of people on the call tonight who um doing things tough um or they're just embarking on their business journey i don't know we've got some people on the call tonight who just recently over the last six months got into business and um you know cash flow is a challenge there's um how do you get your product to market um there's um, I see you know, Scott Morrison's talking about making the industrial relations simpler in Australia. Um, you know, that's a real worry if you're employing people. How do you get it right? But then, then yeah, there's so many other pressures in business that people just don't understand. And so um, it's interesting when we hear people have got um, success and you've definitely got that and you're on a great trajectory, but often we don't hear the story of the challenge of getting to it. And so, man, I want to unpick that a little bit because, you know, when, I, when we used to hang out eight years ago, nine years ago, Life was tough for you, mate. Like you didn't, you didn't have a spare coin. If, if that's what I remember, James. <laughs> Sorry to remind you of your past. But, you know, <laughs> it was um, 
you know, you're, you're riding motorbikes and struggling to put fuel in the tank. Like it was just a, it was one of those eras. Then you get into this and then you're helping other people out. You, for many, many years, you must have just wondered, is it worth all the effort? What kept you going through that time? And it's, it has been an incredibly difficult journey. And like you say, you know, this, um, what might be perceived as overnight success, you know, this has been 10 years in the making. Um, you know, we only launched everywhere and three and a half years ago, but we spent six and a half years prior building to, to, toward this, you know, learning and understanding our market and our product and before we went to the market. Um, look, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm kept going. I, I look back to that young girl's face that I can still picture. And if I'm not careful and I picture for too long, I'd be um, teary on, on the screen because it was, it was a life-changing moment for me that seeing somebody so vulnerable um, I have two little girls of my own now and, you know, um, you know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for those, those girls. Um, and so when I picture that there is so much need in our world um, and that I believe that it's our responsibility just as human beings to look out for each other. And, you know, we talk about globalization and we live in the best country in the world. Um, and COVID has really highlighted that, I think, to the rest of the world, that, that Australia is the place to be. Um, but we still enjoy um, the benefits of countries like Cambodia and, and others. And so I see it as my responsibility to be able to forge a way to work within an industry um, to, to create change. You know, my hero was a guy named William Wilberforce. He died in the late 1800s. And, you know, I thought he was the guy that abolished slavery. Um, and turns out it's a bigger issue today than it ever was back then. And, but I look at the man, he died in his 40s and, you know, he was a politician and, you know, three days after um, he, he got um, his bill passed um, to outlaw the trading of um, African-Americans, he, he um, died, you know, and he gave everything for it. You know, he wasn't the greatest father, he wasn't the greatest husband from what I've read and, you know, but he was a man who believed that, he, that this was wrong and I just, I, I, um, I'm inspired by him and so many others like him that even today are there fighting that battle. And I just think of them and I go, man, industry has the ability to change everything. Every single business, you know, has the ability to be a part of that change through supply chain, through just our staff, through the way we interact with the people we come into contact with every day, just to make the world great. I heard this awesome speaker say once that, um, you know, we rely on the government to meet the social needs of our community, um, but the government was never set up to meet the social needs of our community. In fact, that really imagine if business um, was to address these issues through business, then how different our communities would be. And it really touched me and, and meant a lot to me to, <clears throat> to want to use um, business as the tool to be able to create change. And so it's, it's having seen the need firsthand, um, but loving the idea that business can be the answer to so much of the change that we all desire to see within our own communities and, and globally. That's awesome. I mean, this, this thing of purpose in, in business is something that's not talked a lot about. You know, you can go to many, many different seminars and hear about how to make money or how to build your balance sheet or how to property invest or, you know, on and on and it goes. There's so few people talk about mission and purpose in business, something bigger than business and business for good. So what would you say, there's a whole stack of business people on this call tonight, um, people starting out, people who are established. Um, how, do, how do we, what would be your recommendation? How do we add purpose 
or more purpose into our businesses? You know, I think there's, um, uh, I think we often probably sell ourselves short in business and we, we go, um, oh, but my business really isn't addressing a need or, you know, but, but, but I don't think that's the case. You know, it's, it is every single interaction that we have and the way that we operate our business, um, you know, with integrity and um, to benefit our customer or to benefit those that we're dealing with and, and holding those other people as first. I think that's actually, that actually is purpose. And, and that's a, that's one of the most noble, awesome purposes any business can have is that I want to benefit the people I engage with. And that could be just one person a week, or it could be, you know, 5,000 people a week. But if, if we are there to benefit everybody that we can in the different ways that we engage with them, then I think that's the change that we need to see that, that right there. Awesome. Hey, just a reminder, put through on the chat if you've got any questions for James, um, but, um, which would be great. But I'm going to hand over to Brendan in um, just a minute. I've got one more quick question for you and then over to you, Brendan, for, for a question. So, um, James, just um, uh, tell, dream, paint the picture of where you see Outland Denim going because I think whenever we have a privilege, and this is what I'd recommend everyone to call night, whenever we have the privilege of speaking to an entrepreneur, I always ask, like to ask, how did they get to where they were? What's your vision for the future? And I get inspired by both stories. So tell us, Matt, I'm putting you on the spot there, but where do you see Outland Denim in five years? Look, I, um, I have a re it is a big dream and it nearly sometimes sounds a little bit silly to say it out loud, but you know, I want Outland Denim to be that, that brand in the fashion industry that creates that that need to change. I mean, our, our goal with Outland is that we demonstrate to the biggest players in the industry that this isn't just the right thing to do, but this is the, this is profitable. And that I want to make more money than they make doing this because I, I believe that when we prove the economic value of business done the right way, then we will see much greater change throughout the fashion industry. And if we talk about the fashion industry, it's one in six people on the planet work within the industry at some level. So if you want to use an industry to create the greatest amount of change, it is the fashion industry. And if you want to use a product to create the greatest amount of change, it's denim jeans. And the reason is because the environmental degradation that's so closely associated with the production of denim um, through from the production of cotton all the way through. There's a lot of myths out there as well. I'm, I've got a lot of farming friends. And so I'm, I'm really passionate about using this product to be the change-making um, agent um, in social and environmental ways through, throughout the fashion industry. Yeah, awesome, mate. Um, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, Brendan, we'll go to you and then I've got some questions coming through. Oh, Isaac, you've asked some great questions, but one thing, just touching on what you've just said, James, about you were a brand, but now you are certainly also manufacturing. How did that sustainability become so important and where does that sit for yourselves as a business? Because I think that's relevant to all businesses. Do you, so sustainability from an environmental perspective, you mean? Yep. Um, yeah, uh, look, I when I started on this journey, I really just cared about the people and anybody that probably came and started to talk to me about the environmental side of anything, I would have called a tree-hugging hippie and closed my ears. But on this journey, I was exposed to the reality of what's happening on an environmental level. And I 
and I look around at like in Toowoomba. I mean, it's such a stunning place where I live, Tambury Mountain. It's such a beautiful place. And we, we live in these areas because we appreciate the environment, the, the beauty of it. And I then go to other places where a lot of the products that we consume daily are produced. And I see the way that we are absolutely destroying. And the reason we're destroying them is because we're demanding cheaper. And so when we demand cheaper, um, our suppliers need to get it cheaper. And the person that loses at the end is the most vulnerable people, which are the ones that we exist to employ and give help to. So sustainability is actually really closely tied to social, um, to the social impact of every community. And I, I learned that you can't say you care about the people if you don't the environment they live within or vice versa. And so the conversation that we hear, which is often um, quite confronting for a lot of us around the environmental side of things, we think that's full lefties talking about, you know, marching down, down Eagle Street and waving banners. And, you know, that's the extreme version. But we do need to integrate this um, environmental sustainability conversation into in a, in a, in a holistic way with, with the social as well closely um, uh, alongside it. Yeah. Well, also, mate, that's um, that's really great, and that's challenging for us. And I think um, mm. I, I know I had a light, a light bulb moment when I was uh, in Manila in the Philippines, going across the Bay of Manila in a boat, um, and I'm with some fishermen and the plastics in the ocean there, and just yeah, absolutely confronted um, with with what I saw. And so yeah, amazing. That's that's a challenge for all of us. Hey, I just want to go to um, Steve um, Clayton, who's um, put through a. Um, a chat. We've got a lot of chat things come through, people appreciating it tonight. Um, where was yours, Steve? Yeah, who inspires you, uh, James? Oh, man, there's, you know, there's so, so many people that inspire me. Um, I, I mentioned William Wilberforce before, again, um, you know, such a courageous man. There's just, gosh, so many. You know, my, my dad, you know, um, honestly, I watch my dad just serving people, you know, and that's why I say like, it doesn't matter if it's just helping that one person on the weekend, um, you know, move house or paint their house or something, or it's something else, you know, like it's just that, that desire to serve people and help people. And when we do that, I just, you know, the, the repercussions of that are, are pretty massive. Um, and I could go on. I've got so many, friends that have backed me through this you know you talk about those days and i didn't have two bob to rub together you were not much has changed isaac unfortunately but um you know there's been so many people that have supported my wife and i to make it through um because they believed in in this mission and so yeah so awesome many. hey we've got another question coming through james um it's uh, this is from dean have you faced criticism about your vision um, taking business cost advantage, even though your vision is based on a pure intent. Yeah, so much criticism, so much criticism. And you know, um, I set this up as a not-for-profit to begin with, and um, it was a it was a quite a challenging moment um, when I realised that the other business that I have, which I was using to fund this um, project, was on the verge of bankruptcy because everything I made went into this not-for-profit model. Now. Not-for-profits are great to have their place. Um, charities are great and they have their place and so is aid. But this is the future. When every single person from beginning to end can benefit out of a business, that is how we change the world. And so I came to this realization because I couldn't fund my not-for-profit. I needed to raise capital 
And the only way I could do that was turn into a for-profit business. That took me a period of a couple of years of thinking about and getting the courage to make the move. And I eventually took the plunge, made the move, and it's the best thing I ever did. But I still get criticism from time to time um, because people just think that you're in it for the money. And um, it's about learning to be okay with that as well. You know, people think I'm stinking rich, um, but I'm not. Um, One day I will be, but you know, uh, I've just got to be okay with people thinking whatever they want to think about me, I guess. Yeah, great. Well, look, we've got time for one more question. It's come in from uh, a great friend of mine. Her name's Ange, and Ange is another game changer. Um, I've had the privilege of employing Ange over a number of years, and um, she's just going to change the world. I don't know how, but it's going to, uh, going to happen, and I know she's got a real interest in fashion as well. So this is from Ange. Um, how important has it been for you to surround yourself with people with similar vision? to help you navigate the challenging times? Or do you feel, James, that your own personal passion has been enough to, to get to spearhead your dream? I think it's your own personal passion is, is the, the predominant driver, has been for me, but it's been surrounded by those who believe in you enough um, and your vision enough to support you. If I didn't have the friends and the family that I have, I wouldn't have made it through. There's been moments where, um, you know, I just can't see how I'm ever going to make it through this. And I know probably some of you probably feel like that right now. Um, You don't know how you're going to make it through financially. Um, But the one thing, um, this is kind of slightly off off the track a little bit, sorry, Isaac, but, you know, the one thing that I've taken from those challenges in my journey and, and I'm certainly not there. I have so many more in front of me. I know I have so much learning. I'm so green at what I'm doing. So I need to become more educated. And the school of hard knocks, which is what many of us are in right now, is something to cherish. And I know that's so not nice to hear when you're in it. But honestly, coming out the other side of this, like every other trial that we've gone through in our lives, we can probably look back and go, gosh, I'm glad I went through that. Because I guarantee that every single person who leans into this and goes, I'm going to make it through. And whether you have your business or don't at the end of it isn't even the gauge to measure it by. The thing that we need to be measuring is our own personal development. How do we change through the process? Because that's something that can't be taken from us. You know, we're going to develop skills and a mindset and durability and resilience and grit and all of these attributes that are absolutely necessary to be successful at whatever it is in life. And if we didn't get to have these challenges, then we would be weak as water. And so these are actually amazing times for us. And so I'm trying to lean into this and go, man, this is awesome because you know what? On Monday when I go to work, I need to find a new way of being able to do what I do or otherwise I don't have a business. And strategizing and learning these new skills and exercising those muscles is is a real that's awesome. <laughs> Mate, absolute gold from a true entrepreneur. Hey, we, I'm going to sneak in one quick question. It's from Ben Yong, who's um, a well-known social media expert. Um, has a great local business here and um, was on, on this um, as a guest speaker a couple of weeks ago. Ben's asked, how do you grow your network? Because obviously you're, you've grown one organically, but how have you done and what advice would you give to people in your business wanting to grow their own network? Oh man, I'm the last person to um, ask that question to. I'm the <laughs> useless networker on the face of this planet. Um, it's it's honestly um, been a result of um, my team. It's not because of me. Um, 
it's just kind of come along to be honest. Mate, I reckon it's got something to do with your authenticity and passion, mate. So <laughs> it is Thanks. true. Hey, look, it is at 8.30 and we do keep these at half now. I just want to say thank you so much. And I want to say thank you again to Ken from Highlands for facilitating this. We do record these sessions, so if they can be helpful to you, I've seen some people have asked on the chat. Um, we do make that available in High, um, Highlands Business Net. And just so myself as a business person and many other people, we're business people, part of Highlands, we're here to help, here to talk through issues. I had a business person from um, this group give me a call in the last week and um, you know things are a bit tough and just about to talk to them and I think encourage them and also pray with them during this time. So here to support you, people matter, business people matter. And I think we've heard tonight that we can change the world. And um, that's really inspiring. So over to you, Ken. Thanks so much. Fantastic, James. Thank you so much. So good you spent the time tonight and uh, just great what you shared. I love it. One of the things I thought you said right at the end there is your team. And we can't do this by ourselves, hey? The team is so important. And, you know, that's a key to business is, you know, staff your weakness and make a difference. And you're doing a phenomenal job, mate. So we appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being on. Don't forget, next week we'll have another great speaker. So look forward to catching up next week. Thanks so much, James. Thanks, Brendan, Isaac. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. See you next week.